Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So it happened before, it's going to happen again. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Tennis, where the fans get to know their favorite pros. I'm your host, John Garica. Each week, I'm joined by a major fan of the sport that, like most of us, love to talk, follow, play, and give their unsolicited opinions about the sport we all love. And to help balance that out, we're always joined by an expert of the game that has been there and knows exactly what it feels like to win those big matches. We get to pick their brain and ask all the questions we've always wanted to ask our favorite players. This is Fantastic Tennis. Hey everybody, this week's fan guest is a great tennis player in his own right. He's a huge lover of the sport that lives in Bern, Switzerland, so it's no surprise why he's such a major fan of today's guest. Let's welcome Marco Zercher. Marco, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be uh, in your show. I'm, I'm happy you're here too, Marco. Um, I know we're both excited for today. So let's introduce. Our guest today was a staple at the top of the WTA world rankings throughout her career and peaked at world number three during the impenetrable Navratilova Everett era. An icon of Bulgarian tennis, she earned a bronze medal at the Seoul Olympics and is still that country's only Olympic tennis medal to date. Having won 19 career singles titles as well as a U.S. Open mixed doubles title, she was a top player until she retired in 1994 after winning her last ever tournament in Osaka, Japan. That's pretty awesome to go out like that. She represented both Bulgaria and Switzerland during Fed Cup and helped win Switzerland's first ever Hotman Cup team title before we'd ever heard of legends like Federer and Hingis. After all that success, she is probably most known for being the eldest of the only three sister act to have been in the world's top 10 at the same time. Insane. Our guest today is the amazing Manuela Maleva. Manuela, what an absolute pleasure. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining. This is very cool that you're here. That's quite incredible that I have such young fans. <laughs> I wanted to start the show and ask, obviously, uh, how, how you've been and your family has been during COVID. I hope everything's been well. Everything has been okay. I got the virus this summer, had the light symptoms, and uh, nobody of my friends and kids got, uh, got the virus. So it went as, as a flu, which was, I mean, standable. Nothing bad. So I was one of the lucky ones. Well, thank God. Thank God. Same. I think we've all been through it. I mean, I live in New York City and it's been very unnerving. The the United States has had a a huge uptick this past week as well. I'm glad glad you're okay. All right, Manuela, before we jump into your career, I'd love to get both of our guests take on some recent tennis. I know that you won the the French Open junior title. So I'm guessing Paris has has a big place in your heart as well. What were your thoughts on the French this year? I thought that it was a very difficult tournament to play. It was very cold and um, I hated playing when it it was cold like this. It's not the French Open we know. Of course, it it looks strange also, the stands without the public. But okay, this year is like this. I think the players were just happy to, to be able to play. I cannot imagine psychologically how, how tough it has been on a lot of the players. Just so tough. On the fan perspective, too, it's been so different. You know, obviously, as a New Yorker, I wasn't able to be in the US Open this year. It was very strange for me. I go every year. So, yeah, I can I can completely understand, um, especially from the player side.
side, when you have someone like you who had years of people cheering you on, it was, you know, very, very strange. You made the quarterfinals in Paris four times. That is remarkable. Uh, do you have any, any matches from the French Open that really stand out to you? You know, French Open, I have a memory when I was 13 years old. I was for the first time at the French Open, the juniors. Until that moment, I had never ever seen Chris Evert or Borg or McEnroe if, uh, on TV. I mean, I, I don't talk live. I, I'm talking on TV because on Bulgarian TV, you could never see anything. Nobody knew what world tennis was at the time. I remember giving, holding hands with my mother, going up the stairs to the center court. We looked at each other and I said, Mom, can you believe that I will see Chris Everett in a few seconds? And then Borg was playing next match. And I think that, um, yeah, it all, all started more or less there. You know, dreams coming true, uh, being able to see um, some of the, the legends real there in front of me. You were a part of it for so long. I mean, that's that's such a great way to start because you have this reverence for the sport. It's in your, you know, obviously from day one, you appreciated what it felt like and to be a fan and to know exactly what that felt like. So that's that's a great moment. Do you keep up with the tour today, Manuela? Do you kind of follow some of the same, the players? I mean, I, I know you're calling from Switzerland, so I can guess maybe some of the players that you keep up with, but um, uh, are there people that you, you've been watching over the past couple of seasons? Um, I, I've gone to the French Open a few times. I've seen um, some of the players of my generation. We're very, very happy to see each other. Now there is no pressure, there is no competition. We can talk about everything and anything, our kids, uh, what we're doing right now. So it's completely different and it's really nice. But I have gotten away a little bit of tennis. I follow, I check the results every day of the tournaments, for example. Uh, some of the players I don't know anymore. But of course, interesting matches, good matches, When especially that now, again, we can see some tennis on TV. I turn on the TV to see who is playing. So... Who do you love watching? Was there somebody that, that you say, oh, I need to watch this match? Are you, um, you know, on the men's side, are you Nadal, Federer, is that is Djokovic? Well, Roger, Roger, I usually don't miss. <laughs> <laughs> and any of the other good matches. I mean, it, it can be also players that are not that well known. And of course, finals with Djokovic, Nadal, they're always very interesting. And on the women's side also, you know, I'm just happy to see that some life has gone back to normal, if I can say with this year, that it has been so challenging for so many people, not only for tennis, of course. Uh, Absolutely. We're, we've all been very lucky to have it back. I know the players are, are very happy too. In 2020, we also saw uh, some amazing player comebacks, uh, especially the return of fan favorite Kim Kleisters was a big story this year for us as well. Over the years, we've seen a lot of successful comebacks, actually, with Navratilova, Davenport with two kids, Kamiko Date-Krum, Martina Hingis. Manuela, you retired in 1994 when you were still playing really great top-level tennis. You started in 94 by making the quarterfinals in Australia. You made the semifinals in Tokyo, uh, at losing to Navratilova. Then you go to Osaka and you win the event beating Eva Maioli. Most players would have been very excited to have that as their entire year. We were only in February at that point. She was 3-5 down in the third set. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Seven five in the third. Was was that was that always the the plan, Manuela, to to finish in Osaka in February? I just wanted to go one more time to Australia and to Japan. 
I had decided, I had announced six months before that, that I'm retiring. I felt very tired, uh, mostly mentally. Uh, physically, I had some pains and aches, but mentally I was quite exhausted. 15 years on the tour almost was, for me, it was a lot. I just wanted to go one more time to, to Australia and Japan. I knew that later on it will be difficult to go to those countries just like this for, for a visit. <laughs> I really played my best tennis the last six months. This is where I had the most pleasure. This is where I enjoyed it. This is where I took off those few percent of pressure off me, knowing that in six months everything will be over. And I played my best tennis. And I really am grateful that I had those six months where I played really without pressure and I really enjoyed it. A lot of players after after Osaka told me, ah, you'll see in a few months, you'll be missing it so much, uh, you, you will be back. And I knew that I was not going to be back. I just had the best end uh, a sports person can, can ask for. Finish at the top, not, not finish because you're forced to, because of injuries or because you're not playing well or performing well. I just had the, the dream end. And inside of me, I knew that I had given absolutely everything. Uh, I couldn't give more to tennis. Uh, I had no regrets, although, you know, some matches, one point here and there could have changed a lot. But uh, physically, I felt that I, I couldn't compete naturally the way I was physically, although I was at my best. But uh, winning a Grand Slam, it, it seemed really, really difficult. Uh, the seven matches in a row against girls that physically were much better than me. So I was happy. I knew I had given everything, more, more than 100%, more than 200% of what uh, I could have given. I was just looking forward to starting a new life. And um, I was happy like this. That is amazing. Uh, Marco, I know you're a big fan. I, I, obviously, we we're both sad to see you go at that point, all your fans and the tennis world as well. But to go out on top like that, absolutely. Remarkable story, really. What a great what a great start to finish. Really glad that you were at peace with that. I would just naturally assume you win Osaka, you're playing really well. And it's like, oh, maybe just what maybe just that one last wild card. Let me just try oh, the French, you know, maybe I'll just I'll just play doubles maybe. But no, no, I love I love that you were very firm. Amazing, actually. What a great story. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Manuela, Gregor Dimitrov is our current world number 20 and former world number three like yourself. He's playing an ATP event in Vienna this week and just won his first round match against uh, Kachanov. He made the semifinals of Antwerp last week and made the round of 16 at the French, losing to Tsitsipas. Uh, so a very solid week for Grigor. I wondered what your thoughts were with having a seemingly very nice guy like Dimitrov with being the face of Bulgarian tennis. The impact he's had in Bulgaria seems amazing. Yes, he's, he's had a very big impact on, on Bulgarian fans, not only tennis fans, just be proud of a Bulgarian like him. Yeah, I'm very happy when he's winning. Um, and I'm trying to tell people that when he's losing, that it's not that terrible that this happens, <laughs> that in a tennis career, we win and we lose a lot of matches. But, you know, some fans can be quite harsh and especially now that with the internet, you, you, you see everything live, then you can comment everything live and some people can become stars in a day and then be brought down in a day also. So uh, 
I will say your mother coached three daughters into the world top six, aside from Perankova, which we've already mentioned. And maybe I'll mention Cecil Karancheva because she also won the French Open juniors as well. We haven't really seen the effects of what you and your sisters were able to do. What do you think was so special about how you were brought up that hasn't been able to be recreated on the women's side yet? You know, often I have been asked this question or we have been asked this question and it's very difficult to to give a, an answer. Looking back, even I'm amazed at what we've achieved and I don't want to sound stuck up, uh, but we were brought by a mother who was a tennis player. My, my father was a basketball player also, so sports was in our family. My mother was quite strict. I had a tough coach. Each one of the three of us has lived, you know, growing up differently or, or, or felt different, differently towards our mother as a coach. But we grew up very disciplined, not knowing if we've done enough. So very perfectionist of every practice. And we must have had some talent, all, all three of us. It, it's not possible otherwise. Mentally, we're, I see that we're tough or we've learned to, to become tough on the court. For me, tennis was um, a matter of life or death. Sometimes, some matches. Why do you say that? What was that? That's pretty profound. Was it um, the pressure that you felt? That's the pressure I felt, hating losing, hating disappointing my mother. I wish that sometimes I could take off a little bit of that pressure. I think I could have played better some matches if uh, I had. I was able to just relax a little bit on the important points and, and don't give such an importance to, to each match. But it made me the player I was. Uh, so, yeah, for me, losing a match was a drama. I, I could cry for three days, if I'm honest, and then get up and start working again and, and continue and, you know, day after day. But, yeah, tennis was the most important thing in my life. When I first uh, had the thought that one day I have to retire, it was a total panic. And this was about two years before I really retired that this thought crossed my mind that one day I will have to live without tennis. And it's a totally panicking feeling. You cannot imagine your life without something that you've done all, all your life. But little by little, it, um, it sinks in the brain. <laughs> Amazing. I definitely want to talk about your sisters a, a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Hey, Marco, I want to ask you, um, when did you first discover tennis? Do you remember the first tennis match you watched as a kid? Uh, yes, it was my mother. <laughs> yes. What was the match? <laughs> yes. what, what, who were you yeah. watching? Like, um, I was just watching my, my mother um, when she played the club championship. So this was my the first match I ever watched. I was so nervous. I always got like, like uh, when she lost, I was crying. So, so tennis was in the family. <laughs> Yes, and my mother started late playing with 40. And yeah, I was getting into it when I was six. So first time I played when I was six. When did you discover Manuela? What made you such a big fan of hers? I remember I was at my cousin's place because they had this satellite TV that I didn't have. And then there was um, late, late in the year. I remember it was cold already outside. Then there was this lady and she was always like so focused, very calm, not much emotions. 
completely the opposite. And I always thought it was this that fascinated me. Like she was completely the opposite that I was. Like uh, I'm always positive. I always smile. I'm, I'm not like, uh, you know, like, okay, I can be down, but not for long. So yeah, this fascinated me actually. And also the way she played this, uh, because my back end, I always like was always crap. So the double hand. So like <laughs> uh, this maybe. And uh, yeah, that. So, so you needed Manuela to kind of be your your animal spirit, your your calmness. Is yes, what it was. somehow I think like I was fascinated, and also like you know, and then you are like teenager, you are insecure. You need some idol. I don't know. And, and later on, I was thinking maybe it was also because she was always always a bit a little bit fragile, and this is what I figured later for myself out. And like she, she was crying also sometimes. She was sad, and could I was thinking could also be part part this one yeah. Fierce on the court, though. So focused, right? I mean, anybody out there listening who has not seen a Manuela Maleva match, obviously she's she's been retired for some time now. There's some amazing matches on YouTube you have to go and watch. I mean, there's we're going to talk a little bit, um, you know, about some of her career highlights, but uh, definitely worth worth a look at the the mindset of a champion like Manuela. So thanks for sharing that. But um, I want to get into Manuela's career now. So we're going to play a little game. It's it's called I Forty Love You. It's going to be Marco versus Manuela. Marco, this is your only shot to beat Manuela at something, okay? <laughs> um, I'm going to ask three questions about Manuela and her career. And then, Manuela, I'm going to ask you three questions that kind of sort of have to deal with, with Marco. If it's a tie at the end, I'm going to give the win to Marco because, you know, these questions are really about you and you should know your life a little bit, right? Okay. Okay, good. Marco, let's let's start with you. A question about Manuela. I know you're a major fan, so I'm I'm... I don't doubt that you're going to ace this, but um, in 1984, just two years after turning professional, Manuela would go on to win five singles titles and cause one of the most stunning upsets of the year by defeating this clay queen in the finals to win the 1984 Italian Open. Who did Manuela beat to win that title, Marco? It was in Peruga and it was Chris Everett. It was Chris Everett. Absolutely. Manuela, in, in 1982, you win the Junior French Open and all eyes are on you. You had such a rapid jump in the rankings from, from an early age. What were the early years like on tour for you? You mentioned, you know, your first, your first glimpse of the French Open. What was, what was traveling like and what was the tour like for you as a, as a young kid? Um, it was very tough uh, because uh, me and my mother, we had no idea of what the circuit was. This year, when I was 15, this is when I started professionally and uh, I played uh, six uh, satellite tournaments in Italy. We had no money. Uh, we had just enough money for the first tournament. And my mother had not told me that if I don't go to the final, we would not have uh, money to go for the next tournament. Oh, wow. So um, I didn't speak French. I didn't speak English. I was very shy. Sometimes I had to travel alone. That year when I won the French Open, the first week of the women's tournament and the qualifyings, I had to go alone because the communist government didn't allow my mother to, to come with me. Then Katya, Katerina, my uh, middle sister, she started playing. So my mother had to split between the two of us. So I was often alone. 
I was shy. I would not dare talking to the other girls. Um, at 15, you're just, yeah. I'm picturing you at the French Open at 15 years old, just kind of waiting for your match. You had to deal with a lot. I mean, you're, there was obviously the communist regime, so many travel restrictions. Like you said, your mother actually wrote a book and she discussed a lot of, you know, your, your travel and, and a lot of, you know, everything. a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the impact that the government had on the family. It's fascinating. In regards to that Italian Open though, Manuela, what was that moment like for you? You, you had just posted a great video clip on your Instagram. I encourage everyone to go look at it. It's a great video, but it was a huge upset at the time. What did, what did that win do for you? You know what? Maybe this is one of the only regrets I have. That day I played three matches. I don't know if you know that because it rained for three days in a row. So the quarterfinals match, we had to stop 13 times between the Friday and on Sunday, we couldn't play. On Monday, the French Open was starting, but the tournament asked if they can try to finish the tournament on the Monday. So at 9.30 in the morning, I go out to finish my quarterfinal match against Virginia Ruzici. She was a top 10 Romanian player. Then at 10.30, I, I play Carling Bassett, the semifinals. And at 1.30, I play Chris Everett, the final, and I win. And I don't know what is happening. It's incredible, but we have to hurry to get on the plane because the French Open has started and there is only one flight that we can take. So we are running with my mother from Perugia to Rome and then from Rome to, to, to get on the, the plane. So I did something incredible, but I didn't have the time to, to celebrate it. And I was just already focused on the French Open because uh, the next day I had to play at the French Open. So, yeah, now looking back, if I have a fan somewhere out there that has a little bit more than those 30 seconds that I have from that match from the final against Chris Everett, I've been trying to ask a lot of journalists so and people that have been watching at that time, if somebody has it, I will be so grateful to, to see it because I have nothing from that match. We have to get you that video. You deserve that. You absolutely deserve that. I mean, obviously, your playing style was was so classic. You were a baseliner with with a brain, though. Many people actually labeled you the European Chris Everett. Were you were you aware of that label? Yes. And do you want to know how I started playing a two handed backhand? I would love to hear this story. Yes. Because nobody in Bulgaria knew that the two-handed backhand existed. Uh, until I was 10 years old, I had a one-handed backhand. And then we got a magazine from my grandfather, a tennis magazine. And there we saw a picture of Chris Everett and Borg, who are hitting this crazy shot that looks like a backhand, but it's only a picture. And they're holding the racket with two hands. And then we looked with my mother and said, what is this? And then we went on the court and she goes, try to hit it like this with two hands. And it went incredibly fast because, uh, yeah, you're much stronger with the two hands. The feeling was incredible. And my mother said, OK, stay like this. You know, that that story is incredible. Did, did you ever tell Chris that story? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she should know that. I mean, that just shows the impact that Chris Everett had on women's tennis as well. I, I love the trill down effect of what that was. What a great story. Let's uh, go on to the next question then. All right, Manuela, you had two sisters. Marco has two brothers. Can you guess where Marco falls in the age line? Is he the Manuela, the Katarina, or the Magdalena of the family? Oh, God, I have no idea. We have never talked about it. So uh, let's say he's the little one. He is the little one. Manuela's on ah! the board. It's 1-1. One, one. Well done. 
Marco, you said your mother played tennis. Did your brothers play tennis? Yes, one of them. Yes. I mean, how how amazing it is to have a sibling rivalry. My sister did not play growing up, but I can imagine how that would push you to want to be a great player, having someone right next to you all the time to make it so competitive. I mean, if you look at Murad and Dinar Safina, the Brian brothers, the Pliskovas, obviously the best example is Serena and Venus that everyone knows. It's actually incredible. But Manuela, can you talk about your tennis relationship with your sisters? It's honestly so fascinating what the three of you were able to achieve. We were very close as sisters and we hated playing against each other. I'm very amazed at how the Williams sisters managed to play against each other as normal opponents. We could never do this with my my sisters. These were matches that we just went, played, we wanted to forget about them. But it was um, our growing up, our way of holding up for each other. Very nervous when the others were playing, my other sisters. And for for me, these were not the, the good memories, the matches against each other. I mean, very few people can understand what you're saying in the world, especially in the tennis world. You were you were eight and one against Katarina. That one win was a retirement. You were two and zero oh against Maggie, and and both of those matches ended in retirement. I, I don't even remember that. I'm sure you just went blank. You're just like, let's go through it. Yeah. You did have to play Maggie though at a very a very important match for you at the at the U.S. Open in the quarterfinals. It was your first time in the semis. Uh, that must have been very intense for your mother for Katarina. Do you remember that match at all? Mm, very, very little. I know that my mother usually never watched our matches. She she couldn't watch the matches between either one of us. I, I have the feeling that we played on the, the old court one. So I remember something. When you played tournaments traveling with your sisters, did you always look at the draw to, to make sure that they were very far away from you? Was that something or at that point it was just like business as usual? No, I I usually never liked watching the draw more than the first round or or the round the next round. I had no idea. What one year at the US Open, Katerina and Maggie played first round against each other. Uh, so for me, this is terrible. Uh, but yeah, obviously, you say that you guys were very close, and I I love I love hearing that. Do you ever feel like you needed to be the better player because you were the the older sister? Was that ever something that you felt? Um, I I don't think that my sisters were a factor of me being a better player. I think it was more the other players that were that factor. My sisters were more the support. Uh, I I knew that I had shoulders that I could lie on and. Uh, and and this was what was important for me to have for my sisters and that they have this for me. I love that story. All right, Manuela, let's uh, go on to the next question then. Marco, Manuela would go on to win the first of 19 singles titles at the Swiss Open in Lugano, Switzerland. Coincidentally, Marco, the WTA made its way back to Lugano after a long hiatus. And just last year, Polana Herchug won the title in Lugano. And she beat this person in the final, who is now a Grand Slam Uh champion. Which Grand Slam champion made her WTA final debut in Lugano? What do you think, Marco? Ah, um, this, um, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, she has beaten Kenin. Um, I'll, I'll give it to you. That's right. Yeah, that it's Iga Svitek. So good job. Yeah. Yeah, so I couldn't say the name. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Manuela, 19 titles. Absolutely amazing. Also, 475 match wins on tour. 
so impressive. Were, were there any of those titles you'd say you were most proud of? I know you said the Italian Open, you didn't get to f- really feel the the victory there. But um, I know it's like picking between your children. But uh, was there a title that you you can look back and say amazing? Um, the, the the first title I won uh, is a very special one in Lugano, but very difficult a very difficult question because um i've played incredible finals in some of the tournaments in bayonne for example in paris um in france uh very tough matches against very tough opponents uh the the last tournament probably will stay as um, as the dearest because um because I was down match point, because it was my last match, because the whole crowd was crying, all the Japanese were crying, because I, I was I was finishing. I kept on getting the um, cards where a lot of Japanese uh, fans would ask me if I would marry them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you were married. You were already a front here at that married, point. <laughs> <laughs> Manuela, the, the WTA really doesn't have a lot of indoor tournaments anymore, but you're still among the top 10 in the open era with the most wins ever on indoor courts. What was it about that fast indoor court that suited your game so so well? Um, I grew up on clay court and getting used to the hard courts was quite tough for me. And then once I got used to the hard courts and playing indoors, I think my ball was quite flat. I was I could take it relatively fast. There was no wind, there was no sun. I could uh, really play at the space of the other when the girls were hitting hard. The last tournaments we played in Japan, I thought we were hitting the ball so hard. Uh, I thought we were at a level that Nobody would get close to it soon, but okay, I was wrong, of course. Uh, uh, but just to say that I, I liked when I I would have the, the space uh, from the opponent, you know, I, I would get the pace of the, the opponent. So, uh, yeah, it, it was relatively easy to play indoors compared to playing outdoors, cold, sunny, windy, uh, clay court, uh, with all the clay court specialists, suddenly the, the girls coming from South America or from Spain got to be very tough to to play against them because they were really specialized on clay court. Was that your favorite surface during your career? If you had to pick one, would you say indoor? Did you prefer that over over clay, even though you grew up on the clay? Probably indoor, yes. Same, same. And I'm from Florida, so we don't have indoors in Florida, but I love it. I love it. Because you're right, it eliminates from from a recreational perspective too, like Marco and I. You know, much easier, right? I don't need to serve with the sun in my face and 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 swing. For me, not. I I I love the clay because of my knees. Um, yeah. There we go. Look, we represent all surfaces here. All right, Manuela. Next question for you. Um, Marco is a banker in Switzerland and counts for a living. So I wondered if you could count up to eight and name each of the players that you played during your career that were number one in the world at one point. There were eight names. Okay, Chris, Martina, um, Sabatini, Steffi. No, we have to stop there. Oh, no, it's okay, but good job, though. Good close. Very, very close, though. Um, Uh, Gabby was not number one. You had had Nevertolova. You had Chris. You had Arantxa. Absolutely. Some great matches against Arantxa. You you beat her as well. Uh, Tracy Austin, Jennifer Capriati, Monica Seles, Yvonne Gulagong-Kali. 
Do you remember that? Oh, God, yes, of course. And number eight, if I don't know if you've heard of this person, Steffi Graf. I don't know. Did you? I think you played her a couple of times, probably. But are you sure I played against Capriati? We'll, we'll go. We'll fact check right after this, but I can't remember the exact match. <laughs> Can you believe that I won't remember that I played Jennifer Capriati? I know. I, I think that's astounding. I love it. I actually grew up in Florida. I played her brother at a junior tournament one time. And I already told this story, but I'll, I want to tell you again. So I'm, I'm playing Stephen Capriati. I'm serving and I hold for the first game. I'm up one love, right? You have uh, Capriati's dad is watching this match as well. All of a sudden, in the changeover, Jennifer Capriati comes and sits to watch the match. And I didn't win. I probably won three points the entire match after that. I was like shaking. I, I love, I was such a big fan growing up. But yeah, no, there we go. So obviously, Steffi, maybe not one of your best matchups. You played her a lot though, a lot, 17 oh, times. But that but that US Open semifinal 93 went win yeah. three sets though. That was that was a great, a great match. Was that the year that you you had a broken pinky as well? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell that story? So you you get to uh, you make the semifinals the year before in, in '92. That was your first semifinal uh, after beating Maggie in the quarters. So obviously, you know, a lot of emotion there. '93, you come back. Um, you get all the way to the semifinals with uh, a broken pinky. Yes, um, a very stupid accident. We were playing with Maggie the doubles. I had just won my first round match, and the ball boy threw the ball. I was serving. And I didn't catch the ball. I thought that I had broken the nail and I just saw that, that my finger was um, falling down. <laughs> and I thought, what is happening? Now I tried to put it back and it, it would go down again. <laughs> and suddenly it got very painful and I realized that something was very wrong. We tried to play one game and I just couldn't hit a, a backhand. It was impossible that it was too painful. So we we lost that match. I had to default. We went to the hospital in New York. I don't know which hospital, but it was uh, full of um, a lot of people with accidents. They took uh, an x-ray. The fingers was broken. They put a splint. And I just couldn't imagine that uh, the US Open would be over like this. Uh, I had a day off the next day and then I had to prepare for uh, the second round match and it was so painful and the US Open doctor made an injection into the broken finger as an anesthesia that was horribly painful. I don't know how I went out on the court, but I managed to play little by little. And the, the physios made a special splint for, for each match. You played five matches with a broken finger, so it must make you so crazy when you watch tennis today and they take injury timeouts all the time. And it's just something that you're just like, oh my gosh, like you have no idea. I played five matches with a broken pinky, made the US Open semifinals. That's that's insane. I just beat Martinez, incredibly. <laughs> yeah, I beat Kimiko Date, I beat Martinez. And uh, Steffi's match was, I, I played I played very well, but uh, okay, it was Steffi. I, I've played a lot of three set, well, a lot, I don't know, you have the statistics, but I played quite a few three set matches with, with Steffi, but okay, she was just Besides your sisters, obviously, I, I wouldn't consider them rivals, but did you have someone on tour that you considered maybe your biggest rival? Yeah, I, I had quite a few, starting with Chris and Martina. Then the Arantxa, Gabi, Sabatini, yeah, uh, Mary Pierce. 
Absolutely. Great, great, great names of the game. Absolutely great names of the sport. Um, Marco, all right, last one for you. In, in 1988, Manuela would earn the bronze medal at the Olympic Games in Seoul, South Korea, and win Bulgaria's only tennis medal to date. That was also the year that Steffi Graf famously capped off her Golden Slam season with her gold medal. Can you remember who won the gold medal in doubles in Seoul? Uh, it must be an American team, I would say. Um, Chichi Fernandez, maybe? No, two of my very favorite players as well. Pam Shriver, Zena Garrison. They won that. Amazing doubles players. Ah. Manuela, you, you've said it in, in your career that winning that medal was one of your highlights. What do you remember from the Olympics? It was the first time tennis had been back in, in the Olympics uh, as an official event since Paris in 1924. What, what special memories do you have from there? Uh, just being at the Olympics, feeling the spirit, feeling the atmosphere, something that I've watched over the years. Incredible that I'm at that place and that I can li really live it. Did you walk in the opening ceremonies? Did you get to participate? Well, that's another story. I was late for the the ceremony because I played the tournament just before the Olympics in Phoenix, Arizona. And I won the tournament. And that's why I was late for the ceremony. Fashionably late with, yeah. a, tr with a trophy in exactly. hand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you got to play with your sister as well uh, in the Olympics. So, so some great memories. And, and that bronze medal is, uh, where, where do you keep it? Do you have, is the medal in, in the house today? It's in the house, yes. She just found <laughs> it by accident somewhere. <laughs> yes. Oh, is that true? <laughs> no, it's just in a drawer, but... It stayed for a while in the basement, in a box in the basement. I have all my trophies. In, they're not exposed around the house, my, my trophies. And then a few years ago, a Swiss journalist came for a, for a TV um, documentary. And at one point he asked me, uh, so where is your Olympic medal? And I said, oh, it must be in the basement somewhere. I couldn't find it. So they filmed this that I couldn't find my Olympic medal. Then I decided later on, I found it and I decided to put it in a drawer somewhere easy when somebody asks me. And <laughs> the other day, another tennis fan asked me, where is the medal? And I couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, man. But now, now, now I know where it is. So I found it one. It took me only one day and I, and I, I found it. So. Okay, Marco, for, for Manuela's birthday, you're going to have to send her like a nice picture frame that she can put the medal in. We can put it on the wall behind, okay? So she can't give it to me and I will bring it to her if she needs it, okay? Just one hour drive. <laughs> there we go. Okay, last question. Manuela, you played in an era where all the top players would play both singles and doubles. I asked Marco what his favorite fan moment of you was playing doubles. Can you guess which of Marco's top moments of you were on the doubles court? I have no idea. You didn't play a lot of doubles, but you, you had some great success as well. Well, I, I, I played regularly doubles. It was a way to, to get used to the court, to the, yeah, to the lights or to, yeah, to the atmosphere. But what did Marco like? I have no idea. Ah, well, I have a, a mixed doubles title from the US Open. You do. You're a Grand Slam champion. But his favorite was you winning Hotman Cup with uh, Jakob Plasek. Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. That's a big moment. You know, you, you played amazing in that tournament. Yeah, it was a really, really special moment. I, it, it is one of my 
favorite wins, although it's not an official tournament, but the atmosphere there was incredible. We felt really special playing for our country. And yeah, the Hopman Cup was uh, an, an amazing tournament. As a fan, we love the Hopman Cup. We've seen some great, you know, you've gotten, you get to see Serena versus Roger. You know, there's very few times in, yeah. in our lives that you get to witness something like that. Uh, you also play doubles with both of your sisters, but maybe you remember playing the French Open mixed with Ely Nastasi. I don't know if you remember that match. That was also, that must have been very intimidating as well. Yes, I remember. Yeah, especially for me as with my character. Yeah, it, it was not easy. All right. Well, those were the questions. It looks like Marco, you, you, you get the tie break. So we'll give it to you for the fan for this one. But well done, everybody. That was super fun. You've got mail. Okay, a couple fan questions before we wrap up today. Manuela, Tanya from New York asks, as a Bulgarian living in the United States, I wanted to say how impressed I was with your involvement in helping to start the Yes Bulgaria political party. With this current election year, it shows how important it is to be aware of how each one of us can make a difference. Manuela, can you describe a little bit of, of what the party does and how you became involved? Uh, yes, Yes Bulgaria was um, um, created three and a half years ago. Bulgaria is one of the poorest, is the poorest and most corrupt country in, in Europe. And I decided at one point with a lot of my friends where we have been demonstrating for, for quite a few years, we've had different causes that we have defended, but we realized that if we don't get into parliament, we cannot change anything. And as much as I have tried to stay away from politics, because especially in Bulgaria, it's a very dirty place to be in, unless you're not ready to, to sell yourself to the corrupt government, which, of course, I, I wouldn't do. Uh, we decided to create this party and each one of us has to get involved in what we want from our country. It's the same for you in the States. Everybody has to realize that voting is very important. Uh, me coming from a communist country where we couldn't vote or the vote was known in advance. Now we are supposed to be a democratic country, but um, very complicated, very complicated. And yes, what I wanted to say is that each one of us has the power to change things and we should not accept that, okay, we cannot do anything or things will be like this. So if we want to change, we have to get involved. I love your message. I love it. It's so it's so beautiful. And do what Manuela Maleva says, vote, everyone. It's such a privilege and power that we all have. And thank you for, for being involved and for um, for taking a stand. It's, um, it's so beautiful to see. I, I loved reading that. Um, last fan question. Angie from Hamburg, Germany asks, Manuela, uh, you were playing in Hamburg in 1993 during the horrific stabbing of Monica Seles, and she was actually playing your sister Maggie at the time of the, of the attack. What impact did that incident have on you and professional tennis players? Um, it was something that we, we couldn't believe had happened. I was watching that match and nobody could imagine what was happening on the court. So it was a big shock. It changed a little bit things after that in the sense that there were bodyguards after that on the court and th things that, that we didn't know un until that time. And of course, the impact on Monica was uh, terrible. Uh, she never really recovered from, from that. Uh, she never really came back, although she tried. 
yeah, this was something that should never happen. Unfortunately, there are, I mean, most of the time fans are really great, like Marco is 99.9% of the time. And then sometimes there is somebody who is mentally not so. Yeah, yeah. absolute. It was an absolute tragedy. It, yeah. I, I wondered, um, Maggie was on the court as well. I mean, is that something you ever talked about? We we talked a lot about it after that. Uh, I mean, everybody was in disbelief. The whole WTA tour, and it was something that all of us um, carried for, for quite some time after that. Thank you for sharing that ins- insanity. Okay, our very last, um, our very last couple seconds with Manuela. Manuela, we're going to play a very last game. It's called 15 Love. I'm going to ask you 15 questions. I just need the first thing that comes off of your, your mind very quickly. Okay? okay. All right. Let's 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 start. Manuela, would you rather return on the do side or ad side? Do side. What do you consider your best win on tour? Chris Everett, Peru. No, Martina Navratilova, US Open. Both good ones. What was your favorite tournament to play in your career? In Australia. Any tournament in Australia. What what were your what are your favorite hobbies outside of tennis? Uh, I'll I'll get to that question after. Come back to that. Number five, we already know. Where do you keep your Olympic medal? Now we know. Done. That was an easy one. Number six, who do you who did you hate playing more? Maggie or Katerina? Um probably Katerina, because we've played more times. Maggie was younger and so I luckily didn't have to play against her. That often. If you wouldn't have become a tennis player, you probably would have had this job. Um, I like everything uh, that is into psychology. So maybe something in there. Uh, but you ended up becoming a world-class tennis player. Can you name something that you're bad at? Um, cooking. <laughs> okay. Something in life that you haven't done yet, but you've always wanted to do. Travel to some places that um, you see documentaries, and there there are quite a few there. So <laughs> I have to start. It's a good one. Hopefully we'll get to ho- hopefully we'll get to travel soon again. Um, besides your sisters, uh, who was your best friend on tour? Uh, Sabrina Golis. I don't know if you remember her from U- ex Yugoslavia. Uh, who? What was your best shot, Manuela? Backhand and uh, drop shot. This too. Who was your tennis idol, Manuela? Um, for a long time, it was Chris Everett. Later on, Roger. What is the first word that comes to mind when I say Serena Williams? Um, someone very tough. Describe yourself off court in one word. Um, gentle. And last question. Looking back during your time in tennis, what do you think you will be remembered for the most by your fans? Um, Steady play, shy personality that managed to open up later on. Someone who's definitely been so open today. So, so amazing. Such great stories we've heard, Manuela. Thank you. Yes. And I want to say um, just if I have one more very big fan in, in Argentina, whose name is Mario. And I sent to him last year all my VHS tapes with the matches I had. He digitized them all and the Manuela Maleva channel, he made it. So all the matches that you can see on the Manuela Maleva channel, um, he, he, he made this. 
And he's also looking through the internet to find pictures, videos. He's also a great fan that I have never met. So is this the Manuela Maleva channel? We can watch this on YouTube then, yes? Yes. Fantastic. All right, yes. we know what we're doing this afternoon. I want to thank my guests today for joining us. I had such an amazing time. You can follow Marco on Instagram at MarcoZerker44. And please go check out at Manuela Maleva on Instagram and follow her. She has some great video clips and throwback photos that would make any tennis fan smile. And while you're there, please follow us on Instagram at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at the same handle. I'm John Garica, and thank you for listening, everyone. This has been fantastic.